The following message is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe can be found at axechurchleander.com. Today's reading comes from James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Not many of you shall become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. And when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire. It's a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings. Who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this shall not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives? Or can a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. I love playing Jenga. Jenga is like one of those like games that just never gets old, right? And uh, I used to love playing with my family together. It was always so much fun. And there's always this exhilaration of like whether or not these pieces are going to fall over or not, right? And I feel like Jenga is one of those things that I feel like was sort of new in kind of my generation and started getting even bigger. Um, even in today's culture, like when you go out to like a restaurant or you go somewhere else and they have like all these like outdoor games and stuff. They have like Connect Four. And then they have these like giant Jenga blocks that even grown adults would play. And uh, some of you guys are probably watching me right now, hoping or maybe waiting to see when this Jenga tower is just going to fall over, right? Because, you know, whenever you play this game, Jenga, it's like you never hope for the other person to to keep the tower growing, right, and to always keep building up to it, right? You're always hoping that they would be the ones that would mess it up and that it would fall over, right? Um, that's just not how the game plays. And, and part of the strategy of the game is to try to find here, like this, like the most vulnerable pieces that you just poke and prod and, and kind of mess with. And, you know, today, in, um, today during our message, we're going to talk about uh, this share life, but we're also going to break it down just a little bit in talking about how we share life with one another in our conversations with each other. And, and I really think that as we talk about um, sharing in, in constructive conversation versus destructive conversation, I, I think of Jenga. And, and whenever I read James chapter 3, and quite frankly, all of James, I think so much of, of Jenga. And the way that we use our words is kind of like uh, how we play the game Jenga right? Um, whereas the, the, the things that we say, um, the things that we try to communicate with each other without actually saying anything, the things that we post online or on social media, it's kind of like this Jenga tower because, um, you know, it looks really good where we can kind of build up and keep growing this tower as tall as possible. And it 
And it might seem like whenever we say things, we're trying to build up and encourage one another, um, when in reality what we're doing, oftentimes, um, when we don't understand sort of the context or we don't understand why we say the things that we say, we actually are, 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 are tearing people apart, right? And, and tearing other people down instead of building one another up. And I think that's so important for us to be able to talk about as Christians because uh, James talks about it in his letter. And, and something that I read really interesting about our, our, the way that we have relationships with one another, um, according to the Gottman Institute, did you know that it takes at least five positive comments or interactions to make up for just one negative comment or interaction. So whether you're in a relationship with someone else, whether you're, you're a friend to someone else, that it takes five positive things in order to make up for just one negative thing that you say. That, that's pretty incredible, right? And, and the way that James talks about the way that we use our words and, and how we use our tongue specifically, uh, he says uh, our words kind of guide our lives, kind of like how how a horse has a bit in his mouth, and when you move the bit, it also turns the entire horse. Or, or uh, our words are as powerful as, as a small rudder that's attached to a ship, that whenever you control the rudder, you control the entire ship. And, and Jesus also talks about the way that we use our words and where it kind of stems from, um, from sort of either a good place or, or from a really negative place. And this is, what, uh, this is what Jesus says. For no good tree bears bad fruit. Nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the, his evil treasure produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks." And we're going to talk about James, and we're going to talk about just kind of the context overall of, of the letter that James had, had written, because James was the half-brother of Jesus, which means that he spent a lot of his time being around Jesus, hearing Jesus teach uh, during his three years of earthly ministry. But on top of that, he gets a lot of his uh, things that he gets in his letter from, from old wisdom literature, um, known as like the Proverbs, right? So Solomon's uh, uh, writings, he would get some of those, and he would combine it with Jesus' teachings. And what he was sharing with this church that was growing in Jerusalem during this time was, look, we can't understand, we can't believe in Jesus— and then say that we're doing something completely different than what Jesus wants us to do, right? What's important for us to realize is that James saw a disparity between how Christians believed in Jesus and how they lived their lives, right? There, there was this hypocrisy that was happening uh, not only in Jerusalem, but also what was happening uh, even in our time as well, right? We see a lot of this disparity about how we as Christians, and, and I'm saying we including myself as well, how we believe in Jesus and how we say we believe in Jesus and how we live our lives. And, and what James mentions is that uh, with the same tongue, we, we praise God our Father, right? And with our same tongue, our same mouth, we also curse our neighbor and our enemy, right? Um, and this is important for us to be able to talk about because because what James is talking about is how we, how we build one another up, right? Or how we tear one another down, or how we tear one another down while we think that we're building other people up. So I'm going to get into five different examples of how um, it seems like we're, we're building other people up when in fact we're actually tearing other people down. And there are going to be some hard ones. There are going to be some ones that we're very familiar with. But these are things for just to, us to be able to reflect on and to, for us to be able to, to make a change in our life as we continue to share life, especially during this election season right now. So the so first one I want to talk about is um, this one right here. Let's talk about microaggression, right? Microaggression is intentional or unintentional discrimination against an ethnicity, 
gender, race, or minority group based on situational stereotypes, right? Um, maybe uh, you've heard of the phrase, uh, you people, right? Maybe you've heard someone else use that phrase against someone else who looks differently than them or is part of a different culture and just uh, automatically just tries to say that in maybe a nicer term. Maybe it's intentional, maybe it's unintentional, but, but it comes off as tearing down one another. Or, or another example, like for me, um, kind of growing up, I always had uh, friends who, who were Christian and believe in Jesus that would come up to me and, and look at me and they'd ask, can I touch your hair? That's another example of microaggression because I, I'm not part of a museum. I, I am not a pet that you go into a pet store to, to walk around and pet to just examine and experiment on, right? And, and maybe another example is maybe hitting close to home and maybe uh, women, maybe you've experienced this before, but um, maybe when guys uh, are at work or uh, they're talking with a lady and maybe they try to say this endearing term that comes off as, as inappropriate, like using the word sweetheart or honey, right? Those, those are examples of, of microaggression as well. And, and this idea of, of microaggression, I think James talks about in chapter two, where he talks about this sin of partiality. Uh, he talks about this sin of, of favoritism, right? That, that when we use our words to treat others in a different way than we, we would treat other people based on what they look like, based on uh, their background, based on their social class, uh, we're already committing this sin of, of favoritism. And, and James is like, no, I don't want you guys to live that way. That's not what Jesus has commanded us. He commands us to love our neighbors as ourselves, to love our neighbors the way that, that, that Jesus has taught us to love our neighbors, that there should be no sin of partiality, that we should continue to, to care for one another, no matter what they look like, no matter what their background is, no matter what it may look like. And, and so being able to educate ourselves and understand and have humility to be able to ask questions and being able to learn from one another and their experience as well. And, and James continues on in chapter three, and he, he says this, he says, the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness or, or injustice that stains the entire body, setting on first the entire course of life. Your whole life is completely changed by the way that you use your tongue and set on fire by hell, right? And so something for us to think about as we, as we are engaging with our neighbors, as we're loving other people, as we're trying to, to deal with this um, season right now that we're going through is this question. Are we building up others and lifting up the name of Jesus, or are we tearing others down while lifting up our own egos? All right, so we got microaggression. Let's get to the next one. Let's talk about, uh, this is a very stiff tower. We're going to talk about, let's talk about sarcasm. Yeah. This one is, uh, I'm sure you guys are familiar with sarcasm and what it is, but maybe not. Uh, sarcasm is using irony to convey contempt or even anger, Right? And we live in a country that feeds off of each other's sarcasm one after another. I mean, if you just go onto Netflix and you find a sitcom and you just watch the first episode, just see how many things of sarcasm can you see, right? It's part of our, it's, we are bilingual as Americans, right? We are uh, very fluent in using sarcasm, right? And, and often what sarcasm does is it portrays this, this sense of insecurity, it shows awkwardness, and it even shows unrevealed anger or negative behavior towards something, right? Sarcasm is kind of like this, this curtain that we hide behind instead of being vulnerable and sharing what we really mean, right? And what sarcasm does is it removes this trust that we have from other people around us as we try to protect ourselves. All right, so there's sarcasm. Uh, we're going to move on next um, to, uh, let's talk about public shaming, or uh, also cyberbullying as well. 
And I think this one is, is so crucial for today's culture. Uh, but when we deliberately expose someone in front of others, whether in public or online, we make people feel less than being made in God's image. I, I just want that to sink in a little bit, that when we deliberately expose someone in front of others, whether in public or online, we make people feel less than being made in God's image. There have been so many times, even over this past week, where I've seen 35-plus comments of people just going back and forth, back and forth, people who believe in Jesus and are saying all these different things, whether it's uh, talking about uh, politics, uh, something about socioeconomic stuff, or even just some of the the silliest things that I've heard, right? All of these arguments and stuff going by. And and it makes me think of when, when Jesus is at the temple, and this crowd brings over this woman who was caught in adultery, and they throw her out in front of everybody, and they they say, like, she's been blamed in in adultery, and they get all their their rocks ready, and they're ready to stone this woman. And what Jesus does is he steps in the middle of this situation, in between this woman and the rest of the crowds, and he says this. He says, anyone who is without sin throws the first stone. Anyone who is without sin posts the first comment. Anyone who is without sin tweets the first tweet. Anyone who is out without sin sends the first text message. But, but that doesn't happen with our church, so let's, let's keep moving forward with that. All right, let's talk about passive aggressiveness, which I just did. I'm definitely at fault for that. Uh, passive aggressiveness uh, is another one, and I think it's different from the way we use sarcasm because where uh, sarcasm is quick and it stings, uh, passive aggressiveness is more dull, but it still hurts the same, right? So uh, if you've ever been a part of uh, maybe saying backhanded compliments or uh, maybe when you're at work and your boss tells you to do something, but you don't want to do it or you don't really agree with it, so you kind of take your time kind of moseying on doing it or, or you procrastinate or maybe you give really poor excuses for why you can't do it. Um, or maybe another example is um, for maybe for married couples when, when you say, I'm fine, and you don't act like you're fine. Right? That's another example of passive aggressiveness. And again, it's kind of like sarcasm where, where we kind of hide behind this curtain and we do different things because uh, we, we are saying one thing and we're, we're actually covering it up with doing another thing as well. Right? And then lastly, I, I want to talk about this one. Is, uh, yeah. Gossip. This is a big one. Gossip has been the whisper of the devil throughout all time in history. Right? Think back to, to the garden where, where the serpent is going to Eve and, and he whispers to Eve, he said, did God really say? Right? Satan has been, has been gossiping about God throughout all time and all history. And, and that's, it's, it's continued to grow and it's continued to be more creative. Even now, when, when we think about uh, gossip, in our lives. Maybe we think about these creative ways that we, we talk about other people, right? Maybe it's uh, screenshots that we send to other people, right? Maybe it's uh, those prayer circles that you get together with and, and you share and you try to pray over each other when in reality, kind of deep in your heart, you're kind of wondering what's actually happening with that person. Or, or, or maybe it's those inappropriate Facebook stalking times when, when you're trying to look at up someone and see what's going on in their life because you were just talking about that person, right? Or maybe it's those non-judgment verbal cues that you give to someone across the room because someone else said something that just was totally offsetting or off-put. 
And, and here's the big thing about gossip it is oftentimes we try to justify ourselves. We try to say things in order to cover up that we actually are gossiping or we're saying, oh, no, we're just, we're just talking about what happened, right? But, but the, here's the reality is that there is no such good thing. There's no such thing as good gossip. And what James is trying to do in chapter 3 is give us a better way for us to be able to share life with each other. And he keeps going on past what uh, Grant Carey had just read, and he says this, But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial, without favoritism, and, and sincere or authentic. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in by peace, by those who make peace. You see, words have an effect on us, right? I think for years now, we've already dismissed this, this phrase that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. I, we know that that's completely false. But we have to understand that words also have power because the God of the universe who created the entire universe, the way that he created it was through words. He, he spoke things into existence and, and things happened, right? And, and if we're made in God's image, then that means that our words also have power as well. And maybe they don't have power for us to be able to speak things into existence. But, but maybe what they do is that they create these opportunities for love and mercy and compassion with our words. Maybe our words can create these moments of forgiveness and mercy to those who maybe have wronged us. Maybe we can create opportunities for us to ask for forgiveness and humility for us to be able to learn and to grow with our neighbors Maybe it's creating these, these positive relationships with other people rather than, than tearing them down, right? And Jesus says this as he's gathering up his people and his crowd for, for start of ministry. He says this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons and daughters of God. So, so Acts, what, what would it look like if our words offered more peace than, than chaos to a world that only knows how to destroy itself? Because as children of God, we are called to be peacemakers. Yes, even during an election season, right? We're called to be peacemakers even when the other side is making fun of someone else with a fly on their head, right? Even when it seems like the rest of the world is against us. Because the beauty of the gospel is that, that Jesus Christ, God's son, when he was on the cross and the rest of the world was against him, he spoke forgiveness into our lives, to the rest of the world's lives. And he says this, he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. And so we're gonna get into a time of confession and absolution. And we're gonna have a moment of time for us to be able to just think about maybe some of the things that, that I listed or maybe some other things in our life that, that maybe we've, we've said to our, our friends or to our families or to people who uh, think differently than us. Um, maybe uh, you didn't realize that you were using microaggression, or maybe uh, you're an overly sarcastic person, and, and maybe it's time to be able to break down some of those walls and, and to start being a little bit more vulnerable. Maybe it's those opportunities that we have to be able to share love to, to people instead of trying to tear people down and think that we're building other people up. And then we get into this time of absolution where, where God is going to, to completely speak forgiveness into our lives because we know that God's word has power. 
And instead of, of, of a Jenga block that looks like this, instead what, what, what Jesus is going to do is he's going to pull, he's going to break down every part of us and give us a new opportunity to start over again. And, and we are going to pray that God is going to continue to build us up as we continue to build one another up. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at axechurchleander.com.